This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Flamingo Pools, your go-to maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Stop wasting your valuable time trying to take care of your pool and let the professionals at Flamingo Pools take care of it for you. Visit azflamingopools.com for a free quote today. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast. East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers podcast. Uh, we have Julia and Clay Eager here from Boca Taquera. Uh, I said that right, correct? Taqueria. Taqueria, my goodness. I, I told Ridge five times before we I, started. How to pronounce more it. than five times. I'm sorry, guys. That's my no bad. I'm, yeah, I'm not a very good Spanish speaker. Anyways, um, they won the best of Mesa first place or runner up for three years for the past three years. Um, so that's, that's a pretty big accomplishment there. Congratulations on that guys. Thank you. Yeah. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Yeah, we're doing well. Hanging that's in. good. That's good. Yeah. That, as we all are. Well, how about you guys give us a quick uh, background on you guys and kind of life before Boca and, and uh, what brought you guys to it all? Okay, great. Well, um, my mom and dad opened a Mexican restaurant when I was in fifth grade in downtown Mesa. And um, I quickly got, you know, pulled into that early on in my life, probably started waiting tables in junior high. <laughs> so, wow. Um, yeah, work in the family business. There was eight kids in my family, um, so we all we all did our part to help um, make that a success. We um, uh, I worked for my parents in their Mexican restaurant on and off pretty much from fifth grade on. Like I said, my entire life, you know. Um, and then I, after I graduated high school, I went to college here. I went to MCC for two years. Then I finished my um, a bachelor's degree at ASU and I um, graduated in nutrition management and uh, so that's like a, a major in nutrition and then I'm a kind of a minor in management like business oh, cool. business management so um, it's kind of funny because my whole life growing up I said I was never going to work in a restaurant or never own a restaurant and now here <laughs> <laughs> so, it's kind of ironic actually um so my husband and I got engaged um, in the year 2004, and he, uh, after we got married in 2005, we both ended up uh, getting roped into working for my parents. We ran, uh, helped them run their business for about 12 years until they decided to um, close and retire, and then that left us out on our own. So we decided to. We were kind of already in the thick of it, kind of towards uh -huh. the end of their 25-year run. We opened up a our first taqueria in Mesa, and uh -huh. which is um, the one that's still there today on Greenfield and Brown, and started okay. a food truck as well, and um, just kept going on with it, and and that's where we are today. We're still here running it. In 2017, opened up the other location, um, and 
get some expansion with that. And, and then like Julie says, kind of that brings us to the present. And then we've just signed a lease on a third location um, that we hope to open up a little bit later on this year. So that's awesome. Keeping us busy. Yeah. Super busy. Congratulations. What about you, Clay? What's, uh, what's your background in history? Yeah. So um, like Julie says, um, I also graduated from ASU uh, with a degree in nutrition management. So um, that was, um, we were working at her parents' restaurant at the time and both going to school at ASU. Um, and uh-huh. so the, the nutrition management degree um, kind of just was the logical um, thing for us to kind of uh, study. Um, before, right. before that, I was thought that I wanted to be a dentist. So it was up, up to that point, I'd taken a ton of chemistry, biology, and science classes trying uh, to, to, to follow that path. But after we got married, um, we kind of saw the opportunity as a good one and uh, felt like uh, we liked the restaurant industry enough to want to continue with it. And so, um, like Joyce says, I, uh, she did a lot of the behind scenes um, uh, stuff for her parents' restaurant. Well, I did most of the day-to-day uh, management. So I was in the restaurant, you know, almost an open to close position, um, uh, doing, doing everything from, uh, from waiting tables in the beginning to cooking for maybe eight to nine months, I spent uh, some time in the kitchen, and then wow. uh, transitioning to the front uh, uh, head general manager position, um, and and did that for for several straight years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I served a mission for our church. I speak uh, Spanish fluently, and that's oh, uh, been a really big help for for the I'm sure to, be able to, <laughs> yeah. to communicate with uh, with with the entire staff in whatever capacity. And, uh, and we have a, a really good relationship. Uh, most of the employees that we currently have are, have been with us for a minimum of 15 years. So, I mean, it's, wow, uh, wow. This point it's, and that's at both locations. And at this point, it's almost a family, you know, it's such a family yeah. environment, um, yeah. with the long tenure that we have with, with this staff that, uh, that makes it really, really fun and, um, and has made it in a way easy, you know, because yeah. um, we don't have to to go in each day and try and push the ball, uh, the ball, roll the ball forward. You know, it just kind of naturally moves. I mean, we, we do what we do, but um, our big challenge is probably going to be at this third location because we, we don't have a, a, a pool of employees that we, that we have kind of waiting. So that will be where, where we will have some, some growth uh, in, in a lot of ways for sure. if that would open yeah. and, and see the success that we want to out of it. Cool. Awesome. awesome. A lot of good stuff there. Super excited to kind of dive into a lot of those details. Um, so I guess going back to when you guys sort of took over, did you stay in the same location that your parents were at or did you completely move somewhere else? Yeah, they're, they they ran like big full service restaurants. And so when we decided to start on our own and we, we started up as only a taqueria and it's so no, not the same locations. Okay. So... So it was pretty much opening up a new, an entirely new restaurant, and you guys had just kind of had, I guess, some training and background in a, I guess, a similar industry with with working with your parents. Then, yeah, right. exactly. What you know, What made you want to? Oh, go ahead. In 2016 is when we were really kind of trying to decide. Um, we had already opened up our our first taqueria, and we were trying to decide what type of if we wanted to continue with the taqueria model or maybe go to a bigger model. And it was interesting with a lot of the of the consultant type people that uh, your food service pr- um, uh, provides, like maybe Shamrock and Cisco. We had we had done some consultations with uh, some of their 
their uh, people and they all recommended us to go to a smaller concept with um, huh. that just being kind of the change change of the of the time of life that we live in more of a fast pace on the go right. um, uh, atmosphere. So that was, um, we kind of did uh, decide, you know, we were trying to decide what model we wanted to to pursue. And at the end, we decided to go more of a counter service compared to the full service dining uh, atmosphere that we were probably more comfortable with. Right, right. So there was a lot of changes you guys made then when you kind of started this on your own. Absolutely. Why did you want to start on your own? What made you guys want to step away from the family business? Well, it happened naturally because their business closed. And so okay. there just was no opportunity to keep working for them. So we, mm-hmm. kind, of, we kind of were left to figure it out on our own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we Any, um, we'd already had so much experience. We'd done it our entire marriage, like I said. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so um, like I, we were just, we had a, a bunch of unemployed employees when their business closed that still wanted to work. So we said, let's, let's just keep doing this. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Did you have any desire before that, before you knew this was going to happen to, um, you know, start some sort of business or take an entrepreneurial route in life? Yeah, we definitely had been working towards doing something on our own, um, the entire time, you know, working uh-huh. for my parents in hopes to take over their business, uh, someday down the road. But, um, it came kind of came quicker than we thought. And so we kind of just got thrown into it, but it's great because we, we really do love being our own, you know, bosses per se. And, um, we love, I, I especially love the creativity end of it and he's really good at the management management end of it. And so we work, we have a good team there. We have a good, we worked well together. Luckily. That's, That's cool. Awesome. That's good. Yeah. So you guys, both of you chose the college route, um, what what made you want to go to college? Obviously, Clay, you wanted to be a dentist. Um, sure. So that was that was kind of your your you reason know, for it. Um, as far as and I, I I will say this in a very respectful way, our college has benefited us to a point, but it, I don't think that going to college necessarily put the opportunity in front of us. It's probably helped us um, uh, as you know as we've been. Um, um, running our business and things to be able to rely on some of the training that, that we got in those, uh, in those classes. But for yeah. me, to be honest with you, um, I, I had younger brothers that were still um, in high school at the time and uh-huh. wanted to set an example for them one. And I also mm-hmm. kind of wanted that example for my children as well. Um, and because at that point, you know, you, you, we didn't know exactly what direction this was going to take us to. We didn't know that it would lead us to this, to this moment today. And so you, you kind of wanted to have all the doors open um, that uh, that we possibly could have uh, could have with not knowing the exact path that we would we would end up on. Yeah, and for cool. me, I um, I always wanted to be a college graduate. My either my parents were college graduates, and they didn't really honestly push for college education per se, or honestly even support it. So it was something that I just wanted to do for myself, um, mm-hmm. knowing that I just wanted to have an education because you never know what life's going to throw at you. So, yeah. So, so now that you're looking back and like you said, you feel like it didn't have a huge impact on where you are now. Um, is college something that you still feel like you want to recommend to your kids or someone that, that would ask you for your advice or, oh, or yeah, not necessarily? Absolutely. I mean, I'm all for people wanting to be entrepreneurs. Um, but I think that a college education is an experience you really can't get anywhere else. So I'm definitely for it. 
we have four daughters um like i like i mentioned before to you guys uh and we i would love to see all of them to go to go to school i think it's super important uh-huh. From, from my perspective, I, I think it's important as well. I don't think that I would push it just to push it, but um, right. if they were, if it was had a, an end goal in mind, I think it would be, I'd be very, very supportive of it. But if they, you know, want to do something else, you know, hair school, we already have a, our nine-year-old that's saying, I want to go to hair school and, and stuff like that. You know, that, that would Perfect. be an appropriate route as well, you know, just as long as right. the things that they wanted to do. For sure. That's cool. Dallin's parents always supported him when he wanted to go to hair school. So, <laughs> um, so when you guys got started, what did you do to kind of put yourself out there, um, market and advertise to the community? Well, you know, marketing's probably um, it's funny because I think any one of us would put any amount of dollars into marketing if we felt you got the return of that investment. And I think yeah. that marketing is probably the most, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to call it scary, but it's the most unsure thing um, by way of where you put your money. If you, if yeah. you need to buy um, food from your, from your supplier, you know that, that that's money well spent. Um, right. Labor, you know, your employees. Marketing is, is the trick for me. And, and I don't want to say that I don't have faith in it. It's just, it is, it is probably the most unknown um, uh, place. So, um, I don't think that from a marketing standpoint, obviously you do your, um, you know, your social media as, as best as you can. Um, uh-huh. everyone we've, we've tried, um, advertisements in the, in the, in the, the clipper, you know, like, like those type of, um, uh, magazines. And I think when we uh, first got, when we first opened in 2015, we were still running a lot of print ads and, and relying okay. on word of mouth that as you guys know, today, print ads are almost unheard of. Um, yeah. Every podcast yeah. that I listen to, every restaurant podcast, is saying print ads are a dying dinosaur, and yeah, put all your social or all your money marketing dollars into social media um, because that's where everyone's looking these days. So something that we put a lot of stake in um, is is just service. You know, giving uh, a, the best customer service that you can because you know if if somebody comes in and has a good experience at your restaurant, um, they're going to tell you know, let's say that they tell a few people, but if they have a bad experience, they're going to tell 10, you know, it's not just going to be the one or two, they will tell yeah. people. And so, um, you know, and when we have meetings with our management staff, we try and relay that to them and say, what, what, uh, what's the value of a customer? If, if they have a bad experience, um, even if it was our fault or, or perceived our fault, let's, let's take care of it so that we can retain this customer. And, uh, and so, I kind of I take a service and a marketing and kind of one and the same thing in a way um, to try and just just always give that service. Now that's once they're in the door, that that's not getting them in the door, obviously. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I guess word of mouth has really been what you guys have done to to grow your company to where it is today. Yeah, in the beginning, and then a lot of uh, social media tactics. Um, we post right. on Instagram daily, and um, you know now it's. Now it's not even just posting to Instagram. Now you have to add stories to it. I read a yeah. statistic recently that said 70%, 70% of people on Instagram only look at stories now. So Yeah, wow. uh, I believe it. You mm-hmm. know, posting to stories is, is uh, what we do currently. Cool. 
So give us, I guess, give us some ideas. What, what sort of things do you put on your story for someone who's, you know, struggling with their social media and not knowing what to post? What are some easy ideas of things that you can put on your story? Um, last year we started a golden burrito campaign and we, um, um, wrapped like a, an old pool noodle and we wrapped it with gold foil. Um, like uh-huh. we cut the pool noodle down to the size of a burrito and I bought some gold foil, wrapped it up like a burrito, snapped, uh, slapped a Boca sticker on top of it. So it was branded uh-huh. for a brand. And I just put up on Instagram that we were going to be hiding it around the East Valley, you know, uh-huh. Gilbert Mesa area where our store, where our locations are at. And yeah. I said, I'm going to take a picture of it and with a clue, with a clue and, and go find it. And whoever finds it, share it. And then once they share it, then they bring it in and they get a free burrito with a drink and a shirt, a Boca shirt and a Boca sticker, like a, you know, water bottle sticker. So that campaign really helped, um, actually grow our Instagram pretty fast, pretty quick. That's super cool. That's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's a, there's a ton of, I don't know if you'd say competition, but there's a lot of, you know, Mexican style restaurants in the East Valley. Oh yeah. Uh, What do you guys do to, I guess, stand out from the rest of the crowd? Something that we have always done is we, I would say a 90 to 95% scratch kitchen. So we don't bring in anything that's frozen, anything that's um, uh, pre-cooked. Everything is prepped and cooked on site. So, um, you know, not to, not to, to, to downput any, anybody else's product, but I think that you can taste when something's fresh or when it's not fresh. And and so, um, I've never enjoyed the word authentic because I just don't know what authentic is up here in the United <laughs> States. You know, if someone's saying, yeah, but, but that's not an authentic flavor. You know, I've, I've got plenty of, of, of help that uh, throughout the years that have come from Mexico and uh, every region has a different um, uh, flavor, a different spice, a different. Bean. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so I think that that's kind of up here. Everyone's got their own um, twist of, of the same ingredients, tortillas, meat, cheese, sauce, you know, and so for us, um, just we focus on the fresh aspect of it and uh, making sure that it's, it's pretty clean, you know, um, we don't deep fry a lot of things. And, and so we, we feel like um, you can come and eat at our place. And, uh, and, and we always look to not get the veto vote, you know, if, if you're in a group of 10 people or five people, and someone's vegetarian or someone's vegan or someone is what whatever it is that they are or are not eating we want to try and make sure that we um we have something that uh, that will will fit the bill to not get that veto vote that's cool. awesome yeah i can definitely uh attest that i've been in in before and you can definitely taste the freshness and like i said not to knock any other people you can definitely tell the difference between fresh food and, and frozen food for sure yeah we all love a good mexican restaurant i mean uh, there is one on every corner, and even my husband yeah. and I love to go out and get different Mexican foods sometimes besides our own. It's good sure. to have yeah. a change, that's awesome. change of pace every once in a while. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. We have so, a girl who works for us, um, and she does all of our, our, our bulk prep, like the sauces, salsas, um, all that type of stuff. And she has worked for our family for 27 years. And wow. so um, as far as the consistency, you know, she's – uh, fresh produce can change. I mean, from one day to the next, the tomato can be uh, more ripe, less ripe, you know, whatever it might yeah. be. And so it's, uh, it's been back to the, to the thing where we don't have to do a lot of the adjustment to try and get a consistent product. 
because we have um, we've had long-term employees that work for us that uh, that know how to do it probably better than we do um, it, yeah. when, it, when it comes down to certain prep items. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's the key, right? Having your employees that know exactly what they're doing, be able to trust them to make the right decisions. For sure. Down to the little details. That's awesome. I have a question. Where did the name Boca come from? <laughs> that's a good question. It's funny. We uh, when we were thinking of names for our store uh-huh. um first of all it's really hard to find one that's not already taken <laughs> yeah. uh, we wanted to find one that we could um brand nationally in case we ever decided to grow outside of our arizona uh, uh-huh. so we- website domain make sure it was available mm-hmm. uh, right. social media domain make sure that was available trademarkable yeah. so we went uh we took names a bunch of different names to our our uh, patent attorney to make sure that it would be something that we could protect. And uh, yeah. when it got down to it, there was about, I don't know, maybe five to seven names in the end that would even work that were available. And uh-huh. it's funny because Boca was my last favorite, but it's, oh, really, really? it's really grown on me. I actually love the name now. Um, um, it's, it's, it's a name. It's a, it's a term my husband. Yeah, it was, go ahead and tell the story. Obviously it means mouth in Spanish. So it's not like it's uh it, it kind of ties into a restaurant, you know, we eat with our mouth and, uh, yeah. and we also kind of something that was easy to say, you know, um, if, if you're wanting to, to make your, your restaurant known, you can't make the, the a mouthful to say, you know? And so, like um, taqueria. yeah, no, <laughs> it's a hard word, but, yeah. but if we always felt like if we wanted to, we could drop taqueria from it and just, mm-hmm. you know, just because okay. people yeah. just refer to it as Boca anyway. So the taqueria aspect, um, that word can be dropped if we want to. And just always remember the word taco is in taqueria. Like right. just if you want to remember how to say taqueria, taco is the first part. Um, oh. Julia had a friend and she was actually on a girl's trip and she was, we had just barely um, uh, opened up with uh, the name of Boca. And Julia, like she said, was kind of on the fence about the name. And a lot of her girlfriends were telling her how much they liked it because it was just something that kind of rolled off the tongue a little bit easy. You know, it wasn't, yeah. isn't this mouthful. So you, you, you can not speak Spanish and still be able to say Boca. It's not a, it's not a difficult word to, to, to get to. That's, That's awesome. cool. And you guys are pretty happy with the name now? So far, yeah. Yeah, it's been good. It's definitely, like I said, it's grown to be actually my favorite name out of the seven that we narrowed down to in the end. So I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't choose my first choice in the end. Let's just say that. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So what else can people expect besides fresh food when they walk into Boca? Um, Well, I think friendly, friendly faces, familiar faces, as, as Clayton mentioned before, we have a lot of employees that um, had worked for my parents' restaurant previously that we took on as uh, employees after their business closed. And um, so there's a lot of familiar faces in there, friendly faces. We always try to greet people with a smile. We really strive to remember their names. Um, we, we love being able to greet customers that come in three days a week by their name and know that mm-hmm. we care about them. We're thankful for mm-hmm. them. Um, hey, George, how's it going? Hey, Mike, how are you today? You, are, you want the regular? You know, you want your usual? Um, you know, back to the, back to the uh, <laughs> cheers analogy where everyone knows your name you know something that on uh, kind of along those same lines is um taking some of these long-term 
um, not just employees, um, but friends that, that we had made. We're all working together. Um, and we offered, um, we kind of, Julie and I thought we can do this by ourselves. And, and uh, but it kind of gets lonely at the top sometimes, you know, lonely in making decisions. And so we felt like if we really wanted to get um, true buy-in from um, some of our managers, we wanted to offer them an opportunity um, of ownership. And so um, each general manager at the store actually is a 5% owner of the entire company, not just of the store that they're working in. And it was, it was an amazing thing when that happens. Um, In a way you kind of, you relinquish some of the control, obviously when, when you um, uh, offer them this, uh, this position, but you also get, um, everyone sees it differently when it's, when it's, they have skin in the game, you know? And so uh, back to the, to the service aspect of it, that was something that we felt like we could do um, to benefit not only us personally, but our brand is by um, trying to build a bigger, a bigger, uh, more widespread team of ownership that, uh, that allowed, allowed them to have that skin in the game and, and see the value in, in running a good ship, you know? So that's super cool. Yeah. Um, do you mind talking about that a bit more? So as, as a 5% owner, um, I guess what, what benefits or what, what roles and responsibilities does that add, if any, besides just, you know, having getting a portion of, of the company's profits? Yeah. Um, so we created a board. Um, and so even in our operating agreement, you know, that's a, something that we created a board so that everybody, even though Julie and I have a majority of the company, um, we put their vote as the same as ours. And so yeah. when we are voting on trying to, just like expansion, you know, I, I mentioned that we signed a, a lease uh, on, at our new location uh, for, for later on this year. That was something that we took to, to them to, to, for approval on. Um, uh-huh. and, it, and for Julie and I, it really does help you um, um, not see things just through your own perspective, but to it forces you to get outside perspective, which I have always valued very highly in um, trying to get not just not just coming in as the owner and saying, now I want you to do this and then begrudgingly doing it, but right. being able to sit down, come to uh, a term of, of what we want to do and why, and then and then have them roll that out to the rest of the staff. So um, we also have taken on, um, you know, a responsibility of either weekly meetings or monthly meetings, depending on, you know, their position or their, their ownership. So that is something that they take on as a, as an owner as well. And just caring about the company as a whole and really watching out for um, everyone's bottom line. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Um, so, so I got to ask you this, cause a lot of times you'll hear that you can never expect your employees to have the care and passion for your business that you do by giving them that, you know, that 5% ownership and that piece in the business. Do you feel like that you get a ton more care for, for what they do and a lot of passion for their work? You know, truthfully, I thought that we got it beforehand and that's what made yeah. these individuals special enough to want to, for us to want to extend that. But then to answer your question, yes, I think that it furthers, furthers that cause um, uh-huh. in every way. So um, it was for us, it was a little bit differently because we kind of felt like we were getting that anyway. Um, and so um, the ownership aspect of it was not so much as a reward, but it was something that, that we felt was crucial for our overall growth because yeah. just 
running one restaurant is is not easy, but it's possible. When you when we opened up our second location, I found myself my time being divided, and I couldn't be at every both restaurants at the same time. And mm. so, and, and then you know we have the food truck that would be running all around town with a with a broken down generator or, or <laughs> whatever it might be, whatever. Fire shutting down the one hundred and one in the middle of December. Yeah, we got in a car wreck. The food truck got in a car wreck. Uh, someone hit it on oh, no. in December and closed the one one for two and a half hours. That was not. They hit the propane tank directly, and oh, because my. propane was no. leaking, they went. Uh, they shut down the entire one one. So that was us. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. So so trying to run to all of these different entities, I found myself. Um, it, it was an impossible task, and. And no matter how good I am, something was failing. You know, uh, I was failing as a as a as an operator. So giving giving the the reins to to um, someone who has skin in the game allowed us to um, kind of divide yourself in a in a different way. I read a I read a a, a podcast about Amazon and and how the at, at some point um, you feel like you wear thirteen hats. And um, you continue to wear and do those 13 hats until you just can't do any more. And then you take off your least important hat, give that to somebody else. And, and that's kind of how we've been trying to do it. Well, um, I, I felt like I was wearing 13 hats and yeah. um, at some point had to take off some of my hats, give those to some of these other guys, um, knowing that they were going to wear that hat well and uh, take on uh, different projects myself so that we could grow. And that, that is the objective is to, to not just stay at one location or two locations, but to grow, to see sure. what we can grow to. We don't have a number in mind, but to see if, if, if we have a model that can grow. Yeah. What else have you done to get employees that are so good that have been so loyal to you guys? Um, we really try to hire people that share our same values. And so we have, you know, a set of core values for Boca. And when we are in the interview process, we ask, you know, uh, questions that, hopefully give us the answers that we're looking for to see if they share our same values, knowing that somebody that's a multitasker or, or um, you know, a hard worker or honest or all, all the things that we're looking for in an employee. So if our values line up with their values, it usually is a win. You know, we do have a handful of employees, you know, that maybe in high school or something like that, we know that they right. move on. And that's, it, it's not uh, one of the requirements to work with us is not, um, a lifetime tenure of, of service <laughs> yeah. here. It's it, it. We know that that those people will move on. But if we hire, if we have you know a handful of those um, types of employees, we are always looking um, at at maybe finding somebody that can be the next manager at the mm -hmm. next store, or to right. to manage the current store and take mm -hmm. one of the other managers to the new store. Yeah. Um, Within so, your ten, you're always going to find one that wants to stay with you, which is great. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, Cause you mentioned that you guys are kind of like a family. What have you done to kind of build that culture where everyone just feels, you know, so close to each other and wants to stay? We try to really treat our employees with um, the utmost respect, treat them the way that we would want to be treated. Um, mm -hmm. We hold uh, annual, you know, employee appreciation parties. We, um, you know, something it's, I know that this might sound um, silly and, and, and maybe a standard thing, but, just paying them on time, you know, always, always make sure that they have a paycheck that's, that's um, on time and not two days late or whatever. I feel that that's a big thing, even with what's going on um, with this COVID-19 right now, 
you know, yeah. three, four weeks ago, our employees were scared, you know, and, and um, one Saturday, uh, Sunday night, um, I had my, my head, one of my head kitchen guys at one of the locations call me and he was, he was scared. He'd been out shopping that day, was unable to find things that he wanted. And, um, and I asked him, I said, what, what is it that you can't find? And he said, I'm, I, he was looking uh, ironically for rice and beans. And I said, you know, um, and this is, is true. Our, our Cisco supplier has told me that because everyone's sales are around 80% down on, on their sales, um, uh-huh. they, they have a, a surplus of food. They're not short, you know, like even a couple weeks ago when we were seeing shortages on the grocery shelves, um, there, they were not short on any product. And so, um, we were able to, to bring in food for them if they wanted to, to, you know, get a bag of rice, a bag of beans. And, and I think that doing things like that lets them see that we care for them, that it, this is, if, if they have a problem and we take it seriously, um, then we may, and we kind of make it our problem, um, then yeah. that, that helps build those relationships. Um, I had a, uh, one, the same guy who he, um, they had a, a baby a couple months ago and, and he also told me that they could not find any baby wipes. And my wife and I went out the next morning and we, we tracked down a couple packages of baby wipes. We couldn't find, we found four. And, um, and you know, it's just, that's just something that we felt like we could do. It wasn't necessary. It wasn't required. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I don't know, um, if, if it's, if it's just, maybe at this point we just have so much time together that um, maybe these things come, um, you know, it just goes without saying that you would do these things. And and that's kind of how it feels. But at the end of the day, you know, we care enough to, and, and, and we feel like we care enough about them and they care enough about us to make, uh, to make this a, a good relationship. Yeah, we really do try to treat them. Like I said, the way we, we would want to be treated and, um, you know, know their name and work with, work alongside them, work in the kitchen with them. Um, yeah, my husband's really great at building relationships with employees, so that's why he's he's a great manager. Do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then call Flamingo Pools today. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools will take care of you. Honest, reliable, and innovative. Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. That's cool. Um, how about working with each other? Because I know there's a lot of people that, you know, they stay away from working with family or that you know, like or dislike certain aspects of it. How's it been working um, as a couple? Honestly, great. You know, we both have our strengths and, and we, and they're different strengths. They are good because I feel like where he's, where he excels, I fail and where I excel, he fails. And so we really uh-huh. make a great team and, um, we both 
like I said, I never wanted to grow. I never growing up in the restaurant business because my parents were in a restaurant. I never wanted to own a restaurant. I was like, I am never yeah. going to do that. But honestly, we both love it. So it's kind of funny. That's cool. We yeah. love it. We we love working in the restaurant business. We've, we've thought about leaving it a billion times, but we're still uh-huh. here. So. <laughs> you know, um, we our jobs, our, our roles don't overlap much. And so, really? like we said, she has her set of responsibilities. I have mine. Um, obviously, there's a lot there. There's a lot in the middle that we do um, need to collaborate on. But um, uh-huh. but it, it for the most part, we don't. Uh, uh, I mean, there are always issues that that she sees differently than me, but um, it's right. they're not they're not big enough. We kind of allow each other to to be the the boss of our our own area and not uh, not over overstep that uh, that bound. Yeah, I had a friend tell me this the other day. She, she said to me, if I had to work with my husband, we would not be married. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I just feel like running a business together is really not much different than running our household together with our, you know, our marriage and our kids. So it, it, I'm also not home much. all day long to work with her. I mean, yeah. it's not like we're, to, we're in the same room seven, seven days a week. Uh-huh. eight or nine hours straight. That, that probably would not be the best for us, but, but yeah. you know, uh, my role is more in, in the restaurants and her role is more on the, the back end of it. Yeah. I spend yeah. all day in this, this fun little office that we're, we're chatting from today. Nice. Um, nice that way nice. I can work from home. We have four kids. Um, and and how else have you? Oh, sorry. That's okay. So it, it's good. It works out. How else have you balanced your work life and your your family life? How have you separated the business from home uh, life? You know, it's it's something that's super important to us. Uh, my my parents, when they ran their their ship, their restaurants, they put a hundred percent of their uh their desire into it yeah with their Mm -hmm. passion into it and um they were gone a lot and and i think that's one of the reasons that i said i never wanted to to run a restaurant when i grew up because they were gone a lot and it was it was hard for me as a kid so it is super important to us and it's important that we give the same um uh, respect for our 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 employees that they have a really good work-life balance it's it's important you you get burnt out and you need that time away and so we're I try to tell my husband uh you know at this between this time and this time at home every day we have to turn work off and turn our time to our kids um because they need it and it's important to us and that it, it we just have to do it mm-hmm. and you mentioned you have four kids under 10 yeah Wow. Yeah, I'm sure that keeps you guys. Our oldest is, is just turned 11. So 11 and okay. yeah. so two, six, nine, and 11. So oh, wow. we're in the trenches. Wow. And I might mention they're all girls. So uh, you're, you're I, I, I don't know what we've got ourselves into here. We think <laughs> it's going to give me the gray hairs and, and, and the balding head, but mm-hmm. it's, I, I don't think that I've seen uh, what's coming yet. The restaurant industry <laughs> is so hard and so taxing. You really could dedicate all day, every day, and still have work to do. So uh-huh. you just have to turn it off. You just, you just have to yeah. say, okay, I got this much done today, but I got to turn it off and know that tomorrow I will pick back up where you know where I left off and try to accomplish what I didn't get done today tomorrow because it will run you ragged if you let it. Right. Now, 
is that something that you're able to do easily just shut off because i know for me one of my biggest issues is i can't completely shut off it's always in the back of my mind everything else that i have to do How have you guys been able to do that well and i don't think that you ever do i think that it is as a business owner it is always on until the restaurant is closed like so um and it's not even closed it's if i have employees on the clock you're always always kind of um have that in the back of your head um, our hours are from 11 in the morning until nine o'clock at night. And like our, like our business prep hours. Yeah. But I have my prep girl gets there at 5 a.m. And so it's kind oh. of like 5 a.m. until um, nine o'clock at night. You're kind of on, um, you're, you're prepared to get a phone call for whatever. And uh, yeah. I mean, just for an example, um, <laughs> back in, was it January? A few months back, yeah. Um, I get a call at 5 a.m. Um, uh, like I said, my prep girl's there, and someone had had broken into one of the restaurants, had thrown one of, uh, uh, actually seven potted plants through the front door. Oh, my God. And uh, bashed a couple of other things inside, uh, was in and out in about a minute, you know, didn't get anything. But it just, it's, it's that's kind of what I mean, like 5 a.m., it's not, the restaurant's not open, but you're, and that's not the first time that's happened, you know, where you get a call at 5 a.m. for whatever problem. But um, but for the most part, you know, being able to being accessible to take a call here and there is is much better than having to be down there um, at the time and being physically away from the family. So um, uh, organizing our day so that we're home um, when our children are home for the most part. Um, yeah. Even if you have to take a call is is a much better balance as a restaurateur than um, physically having to be in in the locate at the location. Yeah, we get a lot of calls during dinner time, and that's just that's cool. That's just the way we run now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're closed Sundays uh, across the board. Both locations are closed. The, the food truck doesn't run on Sundays either. So that's nice. We have one day off yeah. a week completely. One day to kind of sit back and yeah. watch. You just you're not going to get phone calls for the most part, and and know that. Uh, and circling back to our amazing managers and, and partners, once that transaction happened, it was amazing how the, the less amount of phone calls came through because they were maybe empowered or able to field those problems um, because the skin in the game aspect of it. So, um, you know, like I said, somebody, and, and we had this conversation where we talked about wanting or the having to give up some of that ownership and some of relinquish some of that control. But all in all, it's, it's, it's been by far the, one of the best decisions we've ever made um, in allowing us to, uh, to also uh, be there for our, our, our children as we, as we need to and want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. Okay. Um, I would like to hear a bit more about the food truck, I guess, kind of why you guys decided to, to take that route and how, how that's been for you guys we ask ourselves that same question all the time (laughs) (laughs) it it was it was a fad at the time very trendy we were uh we hopped on it and kind of regretted it for a little while until for a year or two because we were it was running us ragged um we, we didn't have systems in place we didn't have uh we were trying to run a restaurant on a truck instead of really simplifying the menu and just sticking to um you know, just tacos or just burritos. We were trying to run a full menu out of that, out of the truck. And we were taking all me and all gigs we could at the time. Um, and thankfully, uh, 
we after we brought on partners, we were really like honestly enlightened and educated um, and had a lot of good insights and then and ideas from them about what we could do to streamline the process because oh man, it's like having a whole whole other location, but yeah, all around town and and like I said, breaking down on the side of the road and breaking down in Peoria and and whatever, running out of gas in Phoenix or, you know, it's just crazy. It's crazy. We went through three engines in the first three years and oh, that's man. not typical or common. We just, I mean, oh, we man. were, you know, uh, just got some bad builds on some of these motors and, yeah. um, and, you know, every time that would happen, it was just so disheartening and, uh, mm -hmm. and made you almost resent that, that darn food truck. Um, <laughs> so like Julie says, we used to run it for anything. I mean, uh, 300 plus events in a year. And, um, I remember talking with one of our partners and, and he said, what if we only ran the truck at a thousand dollar minimum? And I said, well, we probably only do 10 of those in a year. And he says, okay, you know, what if, what if we only ran the truck 10 times a year, we would probably make money, you know, like you, you wouldn't run it, but it would it when it ran, it made money. And I remember thinking about it, and um, and one of the challenges was every time we ran the truck, a cook I had to pull one of the cooks out of the the restaurants to not only drive the truck because I didn't want to be stuck driving it everywhere, and then um, you know loading it, driving it, um, cooking, and then the, the reverse, cleaning it up, you know, driving it home and everything else. Right. And, um, and and so the more we ran it for just a, a piddly amount of money, a hundred bucks here, 200 bucks there, and not, yeah. not a guaranteed amount of money. It, it, it was just, like I said, it was just kind of dri driving you bonkers. It was just, you're working, beating your head against the ground for nothing, for no money. Uh -huh. And, uh, uh -huh. and so we kind of, we didn't, we didn't put a thousand dollar minimum, but we, we started with um, $800 on the weekend, on a weekend night and any other time, uh, $600. And it was amazing how we did do less jobs, but all of a sudden we started making more money. Like we were wow. physically working less and making more money. And, and I think that that was um, where the, the, the scale kind of tipped in the favor of the food truck, where we saw it as um, not, this, not this black hole of, of absolute uh, nothingness, but something an opportunity to actually make money and to, to help build our brand. So we kind of started setting some guidelines of, of what the type of jobs that we would, do, we would, um, that we would start to take maybe only within five miles of a, of, um, location. of a location for branding aspect of it. If it didn't, if it wasn't going to have like a set minimum amount, you know, being more yeah. selective of the jobs, Julia had taken, um, on every job that we had done over the last years, she had kept a pretty good database on, how many miles it was, um, how, how well we did, how many other trucks were there if it was a, a bigger event. And uh, so taking that data and, and starting to, to be selective on the types of jobs that we took was definitely a, a, a help for us. Yeah, you kind of start to learn what jobs are good, like what gigs are good and what gigs are not after you start right. keeping track of the, the stops you go to. And then again, we you know, luckily, like luckily we, we were fortunate enough for it not to be our bread and butter. And so we were kind of uh -huh. able to, to put it on the, the back burner and only run it for uh higher paying 
events where we knew we would make money and, and we're fortunate uh-huh. in that because we had our two storefronts by that time. Cool. Where, now, quick, quick question. So I know a lot of people that are, you know, considering starting up some sort of little restaurant or business, uh-huh. um, they'll consider, you know, starting off with a food truck because you have less expenses with the, with the building. Would you right. recommend recommend that route or do you think there's a right way to do it or do you think that it's kind of easier to just go right into a, a shop? I think that, you know, obviously it's less startup fees to start a food truck. And uh-huh. so if you've never worked in the restaurant industry before and you're, you're kind of not very sure about it, um, mm-hmm. sure of your product, you're not sure of uh, whether or not you, you want to do it or not, I think it's a great way to dip your toe into the water and see if you even liked it. you'd like that. So yeah, I, I would recommend it. But if you have a proven product, uh, you have lots of restaurant experience, whatever, you're a chef, you have a great location, you have you have the funding, you have the money, then then no. <laughs> so just depends. And when you say the the partners, are you talking about the managers that have five percent? Yeah, we yeah. have four partners total. So okay, okay. cool. Um, there's five. There's there's five of us. Cool. So two, two of those, no, three of them, three of those partners work in store and then us and then another one. Um, talk to us a bit real quickly about the expansion process. You guys have gone through it once and are preparing to go through it again. I guess it's a two part thing. How do you, how do you know that it's, you're ready to expand and what's the process of, um, of expanding into the new, new location? Last year, we kind of, uh, took the summer, which is our slow time to, um, really dissect our business and, and start creating lots of systems and policies. And uh, um, we decided that it was a good time to put into action a uh, growth plan for our business. And our uh-huh. partners were on board and, and supportive of that. And we said that our we had a three-year goal and a five-year goal and a 10-year goal. And so we're starting with just a short-term goal of the next three years, hoping to open into one store a year. So this year oh, we have good. signed a lease on um, the East Mark location. East Mark is that community out uh, in Southeast Mesa, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, that location is is scheduled to open the end of the summer. Um, it's off Signal Butte and Warner, and we're super mm-hmm. excited to be a part of the East Mark community. Um, it's a really fantastic group of of homes and peoples, and and they're they're really excited for us to to come out there. They they don't have much. So it'll be great. That's super exciting. Is there like um, a certain amount of numbers you need to hit before you know, it makes sense to expand? Or is it more of just a, you know, you see the demand loyalty and you know that you, you can afford it, even though it doesn't necessarily make financial sense at the time. Yeah, definitely. Financials is a huge part of the decision making process to, to expand. And so um, dollars in the bank um, is a, is a key factor and the, sales of your current stores are a key factor as well. So, and then How do you... that you have your systems in place. Uh, we worked a lot the last two years on our systems, working on systems, mm-hmm. uh, pol- systems and policies, systems and policies all every day, all day, really trying to narrow them in because you can't grow without systems. For sure. You kind of know where you are breaking down. When we expanded to our second location, it kind of exposes all your weaknesses, you know? Um, right. And so, you know, taking the time to to make some of our systems more robust as we expand it to location number two probably is, will you know, makes this, this next one challenging, you know, just because opening up a restaurant is challenging, 
but um, but it, it, we should be in a lot better position at yeah, three than we were through the process. Yeah, and then what's the deciding factor on a location like where it's going to be? Like, what made you want to do Eastmark for the next one? Yeah. So you know how they always say location is key. It's location, location, right. location, right? We hear yeah. that all the time right. with businesses, and it is super important for restaurants. You know, you want to be you want to be in a place where you you want to be in a place where there is a lot of competition or not a lot of competition. Do you want to be in a hub by a mall or do you not want to be by the mall or, you know, there, there's yeah. lots of, I don't know. Uh, for me personally, it's just a good feeling I have inside, yeah. <laughs> which maybe is not the best way to go. <laughs> well, also, I mean, I, I agree. You kind of have to fill the, fill the location, fill it uh, as a, you know, have a good feeling about it. But I, um, I think that this particular location it's the only commercial out in this Eastmark community, and um, and so we've we've um, the, a Safeway just opened up uh, a few months ago, and um, and we feel like it's uh, has a very captive audience, you know, with with not having a lot of uh, anything commercial around it. Um, we uh, we're we're excited about that, and and you know we kind of um, although we are um, you know a counter service restaurant, we try and extend. Uh, a higher level of service by, you know, up to this point, we've served on glass plates, uh, real silverware. Um, we uh, run the food to you. We have a liquor license at all of our locations to serve, you know, beers and margarita. Um, and so, you know, someone can, can it's not just a, maybe a fast food feeling, but um, a, a little bit more of an upscale, um, uh, quick service food. I, I don't know. I don't, once again, I don't, I don't get too caught up on, on titles and, and, and things <laughs> of that sort. But yeah. um, but being able to to provide them, I think a much needed resource. I think that because they don't have any restaurants out there, I think that they they will really um, like like us out there. You know, um, yeah. We it, both our uh, our locations, we kind of try and, and make sure that we're by neighborhoods because we do like to be um, part of the community and have that that community feel to it, um, uh-huh. where our 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 staff can grow relationships with with the, the customers and, and things like that. So um, I think more than, more than anything, you know, we've never looked at going next to a mall or, uh, you know, a, a bigger uh, center of commerce, but uh, uh-huh. more at, at the, the smaller, the smaller uh, community uh, site where we can, we can uh, uh, become part of that, that specific community. Yeah. That's cool. Um, to touch on the menu a bit more, can you tell us about a couple favorites, maybe a couple yeah. things you guys specialize in? Absolutely. So, um, so we kind of have a niche with some seafood. I mean, we, we sell oh. shrimp tacos and salmon tacos. And okay. I don't know, um, you know, when we pulled our numbers uh, uh, a year or two ago, we found that we were selling almost 200,000 shrimp tacos or salmon tacos out of one location. And, um, and so that was telling us that that was, uh, one of our, our and th- those were generally our, our highest, um, our highest uh, sellers of, uh, of our, of our product mix. And, um, and so, you know, when we're bringing in, you know, 120 pounds of salmon at one location in Arizona, that's, that's a big deal. And we're not a seafood restaurant, but, but we're a, a Mexican restaurant. So, uh, seafood tacos is something I could, I could wholeheartedly recommend to you or to anybody if, if seafood was your jam. Um, our, our beans are kind of unique. They're, they're more of a smoky bean. We don't use any lard in our beans, so it's okay. got that going for it. Um, and they have a, a lot of flavor 
with uh, some of the smokiness that uh, that um, that we put into it. So yeah, they're healthy and delicious. <laughs> and they they're unique, you know. And and some people don't like it, and that's we we can respect that. But we get a lot of compliments on on our beans as well as as being a very different style of uh, of a refried bean. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've not had the salmon taco yet, so I'm gonna have to come in and, and try that one of these days. Absolutely, that or the shrimp are both really yummy. We have a fish too, so yeah, lots of options. Cool. Um, I have a quick question. Um, so you mentioned uh, apparel, so you don't usually see that with a lot of um, uh, restaurants and food places that offer apparel, and what's the you reason know- behind that? Um, we already have that we you know with our with our employees having you know branded and logoed shirts and hats and stuff like that and so it just kind of started out with we had it so let's put it out on on some racks and i could not believe how many people would do, want to buy it especially um some winter visitors and and people that are in town for spring break or or whatever um, you know, they, they want to, to have a, a, a shirt or, or something to remember a place that they ate that they liked. Um, yeah. One of the funniest things was my wife, uh, Julia here, was at the airport. Um, uh, shortly, or, no. this is shortly after we opened our yeah. first or second store. It was, it was within the first six months. We were still very, very newbie. And uh, I was at the airport waiting for my flight and I decided to go over to the Paradise Bakery at the time and grab a bagel for breakfast. I, I ran out the door without breakfast and I looked at the, right. and the guy standing next to me has a Boca shirt on and I was dying. <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, this is so random. I have yeah. no idea who this guy is, but he's wearing my brand. And we both yeah. built in less than six months and I was blown away. But I don't That's know, crazy. it really tugged, tugged at my heartstrings knowing that people people support us and we're thankful for yeah. it and yeah. we um we throw and and when we started the golden burrito you know we give out a free shirt when people find the burrito too so that's been really fun um want wanted to touch on one more thing real quick so we mentioned a couple hurdles that you guys have have faced with the, you know, the accident on the freeway the break and i'm sure you guys have had a couple other things throughout the years um, and something that we're all kind of facing right now as a hurdle is, is this coronavirus and the economic effect that it's having on everyone with social distancing. Um, can you touch on, if any, what, what effects that's had on your business and how you guys have, have responded to that? Yeah. So um, I know these are these, some of these things are things that probably a lot of other restaurants were already doing, and they'll probably make fun of us for not having done this sooner. But something as simple as um, our online ordering our, our point of sale, our POS system had a built-in online ordering system that we just weren't taking advantage of. And uh, when all of well, this... truth be told, when we first signed up with them, it wasn't available, and it became available just a few months ago. Okay, that's true. <laughs> and we just were busy with other tasks. We were busy about thinking about expansion and everything else, and we just put it on the back burner. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. So Julie and I kind of prioritized that probably spent about 12 hours one night, you know, deep into the night, you know, making sure that that was programmed and working. And uh, that has been such a fantastic um, um, helpmate to us um, as, as this, uh, this uh, coronavirus has, has been sweeping, sweeping all, almost all of the businesses and everybody, you know, so yeah. being able to, to um, have the convenience of ordering from your house, paying for it and just having to come in or curbside, uh, we can drop that off to you. Um, curbside something new we you know rolled out once they shut down dining rooms um 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, third party deliveries such as Grubhub, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Postmates. A lot of people are utilizing those companies right now, and they're yeah. they're offering zero delivery fee and and other programs during this crisis for restaurants helping us try to stay afloat during this crazy time. We're so thankful that we are back to our choice of being a counter service model versus a full service model. Yeah. We're, huh. we're, we're thankful for, for that right now because it would be really hard to stay afloat being a, a big full service model. Uh, it, right. your, your bills are much higher and, Over and overhead is higher. So we're thankful for that. And we're just thankful that we can be open and that the community is coming out and supporting us still uh, when barbershops and nail salons and, and hair salons are, are being forced to close. It's, it's, yeah, they have no it's choice. disheartening. It's sad. We, both of our locations are in a parking lot of, of a gym. So mm-hmm. Gilbert store is in the parking lot of a gym. And then our Mesa store is in the parking lot of a gym. And the parking lots are just, just empty. empty. Ghost town. Yeah. It's, it's just, I can't even believe it. Every day we go to work and I like just the sight of our parking lot is, it's just a little scary right now. And, I, yeah. I look forward to the day that we can open back up and they can open, open up back too. We can reserve, resume normal life again. A couple of interesting, well, um, statistics. Restaurants have a very high failure rate. Um, yeah. 87% in the first year, 90% in the second year. That's and then when you get into that third year, it's kind of more of a mature, a mature state. Um, you, you've got it kind of figured out by then. If, if you've made it through what year one and two, um, thankfully, both of our restaurants have surpassed um, uh, both of those uh, milestones of being, you know, uh, at least in its third year. And yeah. so that we're thankful for that one. But two, with the volatility of, of restaurants already, um, this, this coronavirus has not been kind um, in a lot of ways. But what has been kind is, has been the community support that we have, we have felt. And um, I think that... Um, that uh, I don't know, I couldn't say enough uh, uh, things um, to express my gratitude to the people that have been able to um, support us and other local businesses, not just, obviously not yeah. just us, but they're still finding a way to, um, to support the local businesses um, like us. And, uh, and that, that goes farther, farther than anything. And, um, you know, they're being gracious in their tips so that the, the wait staff or the employees that we have are still able to put put a few coins in their pocket, you know, and, and, and make it home. So we're, we're beyond grateful for, for what we, what we do have. And we're always looking forward for it to go back to, to uh, some, something that resembles normal. People are buying gift cards. They're buying shirts. They're buying hats. They're buying Uh burritos in bulk to freeze for kids lunches or, or dinner on Sunday, taking bacon chiladas, whatever it is, people are doing it because when this is over, you're going to still want your neighborhood taqueria open, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Kayo, I know we've taken up quite a bit of your time here, um, but before we kind of close up, we got one more segment we want to do. So we like to play a little game with everyone before we finish up. Um, so how it's going to go is, is you guys have 60 seconds to answer – um, as many questions as you guys can. So it'll kind of just be like a rapid fire. Um, they'll just be, you know, some silly questions, questions about you, personal questions about your business interests. Um, so you'll have 60 seconds. Ridge and I will just go back and forth. And if you guys just want to switch off back and forth, answering the questions, okay. um, we'll go from there. Okay. We'll start in three. Sorry. Just kidding. Three, <laughs> two, one. Um, TV show you could binge watch. 
Big Bang Theory. Uh, most ridiculous fact you know. Pass. Um, the Coke bottle is the second most recognized symbol in the world. Okay. If you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Water. <laughs> if you could turn an inanimate object into life, what would it be? Tacos. Nice. <laughs> Favorite junk food? Ice cream. Uh, superpower. White. Uh, music turn on. You turn on when nobody is around. Disney music. Oh gosh. Uh, stuck <laughs> on an island, what would you bring? Tacos. <laughs> there you go. If you could have dinner with anyone in time, who would it be? Um. Pass. Who do you want? Who do you uh, want? Um. Walt Disney. Oh. Time. <laughs> Wait, say that one more time. Walt, Walt Disney, for sure. That's a we good like Disneyland, so we're, so, Dis we're Disney fans. You couldn't tell. That's awesome. Right, nice. I think we got eight, so that's pretty good. Not bad, not bad. So, good teamwork there. Still doing good. Okay. <laughs> um, well, before we close up, there, um, any, I guess, any last things you guys like to touch on, or let let um, our audience know where they can find you, either you know, in store or online. Uh, you can find us online at bocatalk.com and on our Instagram, same thing, bocatalk, that's T-A-Q. And um, look for us to open an East Mark soon, those of you that live out in that, that area. To me, I would I would say if, if you've been in one of our places or one of our restaurants, thank you. I mean, it, it means the world when we get uh, anybody coming through. Um, we're, we're grateful that you guys have uh, had us on, on to, and given us the opportunity to share not not only about our our personal lives but about our, our business that we are very very passionate about so we're we're always appreciative as i've said of of our community and and you know on the to this covid 19 thing I, i've seen so much human kindness come out of this that's that's yeah. been another just surprising thing of of how many how many just very gracious people there are out there that that, that care so much about about people, just helping people and, and whatever their, their problem might be. So this has been yeah. a, a happy reminder of, of that uh, human kindness. Awesome. That's great. No, yeah, for, I, I agree. Like, like you said earlier, like, even though these are obviously tough times and we want to get, get past it, it's, it's awesome to see the outpour of, of support from the community to, to all our local businesses. It's cool to Absolutely. see, yeah. see that. Okay. Um, well, yeah, guys, thanks again so much yeah, for, for taking time out of your, your busy schedule um, with work and your family to, to come on um, and share some tips and advice with us. I know that we, uh, we definitely learned a lot talking to you guys today. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, thanks again for coming on, and we'll catch you all next week. You're yeah, welcome. Thank, thank you. you. We appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Thank you. Have a good evening. Bye-bye.